Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. Ben Epstein here with Mike Prado, who is back from his very, very brief uh, call it paternity leave. But Mike doesn't take breaks. The NBA never takes breaks. Mike doesn't either. And we are uh, we're very happy to have a guest who is near and dear to this podcast heart. Actually, was probably one of the you know the most repeating and and slash important guests that we had on from our our SB Nation days when we were all working oh, together. That's Christian Winfield of the uh, New York Daily News now and wow. formerly of SB Nation. It wow. feels good to say formerly of SB Nation for both of you, I'm sure. I can still say that because this is a Blue Wire podcast. Christian, welcome on. Mike, welcome to have you back. Man, you know, they, they never give you your flowers until you're gone. Uh, <laughs> I'm one of the most repeating and, and important guests. Now, let me stop, man. It's good to see both of you guys. Yeah. Um, man, what's new with you, man? Well, we're excited to have you on because <laughs> you're right in the middle of the biggest story in the NBA right now, covering the Brooklyn Nets as you have for so long. Uh, right. I'm sure... As of right now, it's what, 4 o'clock on the East Coast on, again, I never know what day it is. What day is it today? It's 17th today of November, Mike. It's, so that's it's, a, the next, it's, it's the 17th Tuesday of the, of the month. <laughs> 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 All right, so, Tuesday. so Tuesday. So as of right now, James Harden is still a Houston Rocket. There is some murmuring. Our friend Anthony Puccio, who has done some good work on the NetSpeed for a while, is suggesting that there is a deal in place. To send him to Brooklyn, that is a surprise, and that's news to you. It's not what you've heard, um, correct? Like, you've heard otherwise, but... Yeah, you know, we, we also heard the... I, I forgot what the guy's name is. I think it's like Farbod A or something like that from Sports Illustrated basically say the same thing. You know, it's like practically a done deal or something like that a couple of days ago. Um, but this one coming from Pooch uh, is a little different. Now, obviously, you see a lot of people on, to- on social media talking about who's Pooch, who's A Pooch. Uh, uh, well, you know. Pooch, Pooch is around, you know, Pooch is, Pooch is at these games, Pooch talks to people. Um, so it, it, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Now, from just from what I'm hearing, it's not necessarily a done deal. It's okay. Well, you know, what about Philly? You know, it was, it was looking like it was Philly before it became Brooklyn. So how does Philly just fall off the face of the earth? Because James Harden says he wants to go somewhere when it's not really his decision on where he gets to go because he's getting all this money and he's committed all these years. Um, and on top of that, just when you look at the packages that the Nets have, 
uh, versus the package that the Sixers have or the package that the Warriors could have. If they want to throw their, their, their hat in the ring. That's granted. That's if these teams are actually interested in getting hard during getting Simmons. Um, it, it's, I wouldn't say it's hard for me to believe, right? Because once a, once a superstar says, I want to go to this place, um, that kind of puts a lot of pressure on, on your front office. Uh, but at the same time, like you don't trade James Harden if you don't know that you're getting something of at least close to equal value. And I think the closest you're going to get to equal value for James Harden is Ben Simmons. Uh, and if Ben Simmons is available for Harden, um, it, you kind of start weighing the pros and cons. I think you send him to Philly right away. So I'm kind of interested to see how this thing shakes out. Um, and we've got some like reporter dynamics going on here, right? Because if you if you call something like this and it's not correct, uh, it's it's not the best look. So I'm hoping. I mean, love Pooch. I'm hoping this thing goes right for him. Um, but it'd be, I mean, it'd be massive if the Nets were able to pull off the trade and get KD and Kyrie uh, and James Harden on the same team. Uh, it'd be hard to not call them uh, a championship contender. So let's 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 dive into this a little bit. Um, let's. Let's take a step back. You mentioned a few teams who you think would be in the running for this. You know, again, Harden has three years left on on his contract. It's not a normal situation. Yeah. In fact, uh, everything about basketball in the year 2020 is is not normal. But specifically, someone like Harden, three years left, team apparently in a dissolving mode, the Covington move already being made. So it's like yeah. staying at Houston looks a lot worse even today than it did yesterday, right? I mean, Which right. is just something to keep Houston's keep in a mind. sinking damn ship. For yeah. sure. Right. Like, okay. That, that ship is sinking very quick. Um, so so, so like a lot has changed there. Also, their owner is a Trump supporter, which reportedly is a problem with Harden. Well, although I, right. well, that's, but, to me, I say NBA, like, right? you know, that's my, my, the NBA. <laughs> that, that's the, 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 the reason I have just, just a little bit of pause about that is, okay, yes, your, your owner is a Trump supporter. Trade me, but trade me specifically to the Brooklyn Nets. Because my owner's a Trump supporter, that's a little a little harder to believe. Right. Also, right. it's not exactly a surprise that Tillman Fertitta is a Trump yeah, supporter. So like, also, didn't Harden wear a blue li- like accidentally wear a blue yeah, Lives Matter shirt to like a game or something? Didn't that happen? There's too many. There's too many. I, I can't. I, I can't. Yeah, this is no. Wittily hears about Josh Harris on the Sixers. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like the NBA is just chock full of uh, you know liberal philanthropists. Okay. Right. But but with that in mind, I, I do want to dial into this for a moment because Prada has a bit of a, uh, a different perspective on this value aspect here. And I want to get both of your thoughts. Mike, you on the heels of the Drew Holiday trade, you think that there is a world where Drew will have fetched uh, a larger ransom than oh, wow. you're, you're what the value my- of Harden. Damn. Yeah, well, because I think you're, it's an interesting you're take throwing out, Christian. You're, you're throwing out my off-air takes and making me answer them on air. Like, this is like going into the group chat and, like, airing. Damn. Um, well, when you yeah. make such a take, I got to get into this. So wow. so give me give me the, the rationale for why you think Harden's yeah. value might be a little lower than everyone else I, thinks. I'm just – that that was sort of a wild guess. But, like, what's, what's odd to me about this, especially in the context of some of the reporting now that – the trade may be closer than we think is that Christian is right. There is really no incentive outside of the disgruntled factor and outside of frankly, these human controls that we're going to talk about, which I think are really going to decide this from a cold, rational perspective. There is not much reason for Houston to acquiesce to this trade request because hard is on contract again, three more years. There is no flight risk of him going somewhere else. Theoretically, 
the entire market is open. This is not, I saw some ESPN report, I forget which one was like quoting a source, kind of comparing this to Anthony Davis in New Orleans. No, this is not like it's Anthony Davis. Not at all. Because, not like it at all. Because Davis had, was a free agent the next year. So exactly. there was it limited his market artificially. So in those terms, it should be an open market. Like it, it's funny we mentioned the Bucks. Like I had this thought last night, and we, we're going to talk a little bit about the Drew Holiday trade, the uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich trade. But like, if you're the Bucks, like what is stopping you other than I guess Harden and Giannis hate each other? What is stopping you from just offering that for James Harden that they got for Drew Holiday or like all That's of that? That's what I was thinking. So I, like, I thought, they, I thought the Bucks would throw their their hat into the ring, and be like, hey, let's give you everything except Giannis. Uh, and make a run for it there. You know, I was surprised. Number one, I was surprised that the the Rockets chose their first order of business as dealing Robert Covington instead of saving that for last, right? Because I figured if you hold on to Robert Covington at the last second, now you've got a bunch of other teams that think they are Robert Covington away, and they'll be able to run the price up that way. You know, I'm thinking, okay, well, if you don't trade Harden to the Nets, you could trade Covington to the Nets and maybe get Dinwiddie in a pick and something else and then turn Dinwiddie into something else. Um, But I guess 16 isn't that bad, and then another pick... Um, down the road, but it, it's just it's interesting to see how this whole thing is, is playing out. Right. Uh, you also have Russell Westbrook, who like supposedly wants to trade too. Although I can't decide if Russell Westbrook is like trying to get that out there because he wants to be the first to demand off this sinking ship. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I mean, they're just all these. Dy- it, it doesn't make sense rationally for Houston to adopt a posture where they are anywhere close to trading Harden, and so that has been the company line. But then I think about it a little bit more. And I'm like, okay, why? If Milwaukee's not going to do that for Harden, maybe the market for Harden, for various reasons, I think one being he clearly has picked his destination. I think that has a chilling effect, even if with the contract situation. Number two, I kind of wonder if there's like a backlash to his style of play, where like yeah. you could you could fit Drew Holiday into like a lot of different roles, but like if you trade for James Harden, you have to play Harden ball. He kind of doesn't really play traditional basketball anymore. And the question is whether he can again. He sort of has his own style that was perfect for Houston. I wonder if that is perhaps depress is going to depress his trade value a little bit where I mean it, Philly I think would probably trade for him because of the presence of Mori, but I mean I don't think Golden State to your would ever think about giving up much to to tie themselves to James Harden in a style no, of play. No, 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 not James Harden. The, the the idea there was that it would be a three-team trade. Oh, okay. Harden to Philly, Simmons to the Warriors, and then okay. you get the number two, you get Wiggins, you get right. Horford, you get Tybal, you get you get Josh Richardson, you get picks, you get the Minnesota pick, okay. you get the Golden State okay. 2021 pick, and you get a pair of six, okay. 20, so with the, 21 and 23 picks. I guess my point is that like, if you really think and stop and pull back – if you just assume that this is James, this is a guy who's like a top five player with three years left on his contract, the market should be incredibly robust. And to sure. me, the fact that it maybe isn't suggests that there's a little bit more going on here. I don't know exactly what it is, but I think there are. When you combine that with, I think we're and we'll talk about the Bucks a little bit with the their desperation to kind of get someone for Giannis before the Supermax situation. I do think it's possible that like, we're going to look at the package that Harden yields versus the package that holiday yielded in a vacuum and be like, wait, why are those two about the same? Like James Harden's much better than drew holiday. But I think there is a possibility that happens because of factors that are sort of very context specific that I think are not getting enough play. And I don't know what's going to happen here, but there is some like kind of interesting game theory, human element going on here with 
all the teams that are involved that I think may cause some of these valuations for these players to get all confusing. Like this is not this is not an open market, is I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, I, I think one thing that's getting swept under the rug is you know, James Harden went out and called Giannis unskilled, right? Right. He said, hey, if I was if I was however tall and all I did was run and dunk, I'd probably win. Whatever he said about that. So that probably eliminates the any prospect of those two teaming up uh, immediately. But, I mean, yeah, you can just look at what's happening now when James Harden isn't even on the Nets. He's basically destroying the Nets while not being there. Um, he's Look at his track record. You've got Chris Paul, Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, guys who just have not worked out with him um and now you've got basically other teams that have to gamble on their entire future over a guy who has no proven track record of of winning right like i mean look james Harden is a great player great offensive talent but you know i've written this before he's just not the guy who comes up the biggest in clutch situations specifically in the playoffs and obviously nothing falls on one person's shoulders but when you've got that um, that's obviously going to be an indictment on his game. And then you just look at, you know, just what's been around him and just the storylines that have been surrounding him his entire career almost. You know, it's what more do you need to get for him? You know, the blame is always going elsewhere. You know, first it's, you know, they, they, they went to no center. You trade Clint Capella, you've got five guys out. It's just, it's, it's never enough for, for James Harden, unfortunately. And now you want to send him out to Brooklyn and, I'm, you, know, you can count me among the guys. I think if you put Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant on the floor, they get it done. Um, but the combustibility factor there is what you're what you're really most worried about because this thing is going up in flames. Now, you got to feel for the other guys on this team. I'm talking about Kara, Spencer, um, Torian, Jared Allen, all those guys on the team who, you know, heading into the offseason, they all knew, you know, this was a possibility. But for this to be playing out so publicly – and one thing is, it'd be one thing if this was discussions between, you know, uh, Sean Marks and, and Rockets Brass, but this is Kevin Durant and James Harden saying, hey, let's get rid of everybody else on this team and get me there. Um, if James Harden doesn't go to Brooklyn and ends up anywhere else, I don't know how you repair that. Obviously, these guys are pros, but these guys are also humans. I don't know how you go to, go to work every day and look Kevin Durant in the eye after he tried to trade you for somebody else uh, right then and there. Um, but it's man, it, it just goes to say this league can, I mean, a week ago, two weeks ago, you would have never thought that this was going to happen. Right. And now look at this. The Nets are either on the verge of turning into a super team or imploding before they ever get started. The larger point about Harden. That's well said. And the season starts in about a month. You know, the timelines are so truncated here. It's, it's like, you know, on one hand, I think there's probably a more simplistic brand of basketball. If you have KD Kyrie, and Harden on the court at the same time. I mean, Steve yeah. Nash is going to walk into not many offensive options other than some isolation basketball, maybe some pick and roll. I don't know. You're not going to get a fluid uh, Steve Nash, head now. coach. He's never been a head coach. Like, this is all so crazy. Um, it's a lot of volatility potentially yeah, here. Um, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that this is one of the reasons why there was so much backlash against Steve Nash getting this job in the first place because you could plug me in that head coach and give me Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and and, Ke- and and James Harden and that team is probably going to at least make it to the second round of the playoffs, right? I mean, look at what he's gotten with no prior experience. Mind you, we, we saw who was available for that job. Um, now, do I think Steve Nash is the guy for the job? Sure, you know, but when you've got guys who are proven, who've won championships, who have the experience, who were there building those relationships, um, and you kind of just push all those guys to the side to bring somebody in with no prior experience 
and then you load him up with three superstars. So you set him up in a position to where he can't fail. Um, and then on the other side of that coin, you're taking Steven Silas's superstars away. Come on. Come on. Right. Mm. Um, yeah. I think I know what you're implying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you, you, you could probably, they would probably be pretty good if you coach them. If I coach them, you would drive yourself crazy. It would do. Sure, you would yeah. you'd be no, doing crazy, and they would be get out the way. They 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 walk all over you and I and Ben and everyone. Um, I get I get the point for sure. Man, I coached I coached thirteen and fourteen year old AAU basketball, and I can tell you it's just as volatile as NBA because you have parents involved. I mm. I promise you. Listen, uh, no, you, but you have a torn Achilles, right? You you recover from that's relationship building one hundred and one, right? That's you and you, Kevin Durant. It does have me rooting for KD to, to be successful, to, to <laughs> prove everyone that he can be the same physical monster that he, he was prior. But look, I, I think there is, there is so much um, mental, I, mean, I think you hit on some good points here. The, the mental cost, and this is not the physical ability you would get from a trade like this. I think that goes without saying, having arguably the three best isolation scorers in the NBA together. Sure. There wouldn't be a bucket they wouldn't be able to get in a situation where they wouldn't feel comfortable getting it. With that in mind, KD just watched an entire season of of essentially the assets that he wants to trade playing. They're supposed to be in minicamp in uh, two weeks, I believe. Um, uh, At the end of the month, they're all supposed to report. You can't help but if you hit on it, if you're Levert, Dinwiddie, Allen, any of these guys, they're young. They're also up-and-coming players who in their own right have value, that have been playing winning basketball, at least playoff caliber Eastern Conference basketball, building towards something in a city uh, where I believe there is a relationship between the fans really adopting and liking. I mean, I went to a number of those games. I lived up the street for uh, since the Barclays Center became the Barclays Center. Um, and I'll tell you, the, like, the way that the fans and, and the, the greater called New York basketball scene has adopted this particular set of Brooklyn players is different. And part of it has to do with the Knicks downturn. And part of it has to do sure. with, you know, the, the relationship to Kyrie not playing last year and Katie essentially being off for the entire year and, and knowing sure. that, but I don't think everyone thought that what they were building last year was going to be immediately converted into James Harden. I thought it was, they're building the things that then Kyrie and Katie step into. And all of a sudden you have one of the, probably just with those two, one of the two, three best teams in the Eastern conference. So I, I think you're naive. If you didn't think this was all building towards a third star towards Harden, towards well, James Harden. Like, well, I don't think so. I, well, I don't think I don't anyone, think so. I don't think anyone thought that, a year ago that this would be possible. Although it, I don't think what's surprising about the Harden situation is that we're here. It's that we're here this quickly. It's the perfect set of circumstances, right? Yeah. Because if James yeah. Harden goes to the NBA finals last year, um, he's probably not leaving, right? He's looking for parts. Uh, but, and, and it just, this, this whole new cycle coming, coming around reminds me of the question I asked or the question, I, I think it was me. It might've been somebody else, Kevin Durant's introductory press conference. Uh, I think I asked him, you know, what specifically about Kenny Atkinson and what specifically about Karis LeVert did he like um, that drew him to the nets? And KD goes on this long rant about Kenny Atkinson's offense and how creative he is. And then boom, Kenny Atkinson is gone in the middle of the season and Kevin Durant is nowhere to be found. And now, you know, we've got, him and Karis LeVert are supposed to be having this super tight relationship and boom, there's James Harden trade rumors and you don't get James Harden if you don't give up Karis LeVert unless you're giving up Kyrie Irving. And I don't think you're giving up Kyrie Irving uh, because I don't think a pair of just James Harden and Kevin Durant gets it done. 
Um, so it, it just goes to show you, we got, a couple of us were having this discussion not too long ago, is you really can't take things that people say at face value because you never know what they actually have planned and how far out did Kyrie, KD, and DeAndre plan this? Did they plan this entire thing, getting Steve Nash, getting James Harden or another third star way back when, when they were trying to decide where they wanted to go? Or is this just a culmination of how things shook out? Um, I'm siding with it's a couple like I don't think they could have foreseen that James Harden was going to become a free agent. Well, well, not free agent will become available for trade right mm. now. Um, but if Beal's available, you go get him. Right. You know, like it's it, it's just interesting to see. And I think my point here is just like, you know, you, you really just you never know what guys have planned behind the scenes because they'll tell you one thing. And then the next day, <laughs> it's a completely different story. Yeah, I, I don't think that they were playing this specific player, but I do think that the second those two signed, the, the rest of the Nets may as well have start, started renting instead of buying. Yeah. You know, I mean, this was, was all building to something. There, there was absolutely a feeling of that. Um, I would say as the attention started shifting from, you know, obviously you trade D'Angelo Russell and he's the guy, but D'Angelo Russell got hurt for a chunk of last year, so it was, you know, partially the Spencer Dinwiddie show and then partially the Karis LeVert show and those guys start getting adjusted to the star power and then, boom, Kyrie Irving comes and we're all asking Kyrie, oh, you went for 50, you broke somebody's ankles. How does that feel? Hey, Karis, what did you think of Kyrie Irving's performance today? Uh, you know, that starts to, it, that takes some adjusting and you kind of could start to, to see the, the little bit of unease or, you know, a little bit of discomfort with guys who are used to getting the spotlight on their own now have to defer and talk to other guys. But at the same time, you only got 20 games out of Kyrie. So I think I could definitely feel that. I wouldn't call it tension, right? And you could feel it start to start to bubble, especially as soon as Kyrie says, hey, yeah, we need a couple more pieces in this locker room, which is crazy to say in the middle of a, in the beginning of the year, pretty much, on a team that you just joined and didn't play very often for. Yeah, but I mean, I mean when, when you're a star, right, right. You, can, you can say whatever the hell you want and do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. The, yeah, there is a parallel to what the Clippers went through last year with this sort of situation. Those teams have always been kind of connected in the same way as like they built themselves as the other the other team in their big city they build on culture and then oh hey we got stars screw that man um but i'm actually kind of so to me like it's kind of a no-brainer for the nets to get hardened if they can i mean just this is all kind of building to it i think it's we've talked all about like kind of why it's weird we've talked why about about why I don't really understand why the Rockets would just give him away now and all those factors. To me, what's kind of interesting is more the – I mean, I want to go back to this idea of what is James Harden's market? What is James Harden's rep? Because I, I think it's a little strange that some of these teams that are pushing a lot of chips in the middle aren't going to push them in the middle for James Harden. And I think it's also going to be very interesting wherever Harden goes, whether it's – you know, to the Nets or somehow to another team. Like, he ain't playing Harden ball anymore. Like, he's not playing... There are a lot of Iver... Uh, he, he's very different from Allen Iverson, but there are a lot of Iverson parallels in the whole, like, kind of cannot play with a second star, plays his way, you've got to build the whole team around him. I'm bringing Iverson up because of Ben, but I, I think that that sort of happens at the end of his career. I wonder what happens to Harden now and what... His rep is around the league and what, how he responds. Can he play normal basketball again? So, first off, I think that is, and I had this conversation maybe five days ago with a friend of mine. I, that is how I view uh, Westbrook right. as the Iverson parallel because Harden has a skill that's going to be there until the day he retires, which is he's, he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. Yeah. 
Okay. The, the, the physicality that Westbrook and Iverson played with, uh, or the Westbrook plays with and Iverson played with can you know, the, the range of shots going to yeah. the basket, the inability to say, I'm not the best player on the team to your exact point. Like Iverson didn't have some twilight of his career, you know, like kind of like Carmelo's having now or other guys who stayed along after they were the guy, you know, Carmelo's a role player. Carmelo's not a bad at comparison to Harden either. I mean, Harden is sure, better but, than those guys. Yes. Yes. But yeah. I but think you, there are dynamics dynamics that are similar is all I'm saying. Yeah, no, for sure. And then like, go ahead, Christian. I I think as it pertains here, like we've seen James Harden work out well once, right? And that's when he was on the wheel. That's what he was third wheel uh, behind Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Well, what do you mean by well? What do you, I mean, they they were a game away from the conference final, (laughs) from the finals, 2018 in the NBA finals, right? He kind of, he kind of folded, but that was kind of what, what, what put him on the map, right? How he was able to, fit in with those two stars and I think that takes a a certain level of deference right and I don't think James Harden has played with someone that he has that level of deference for since those days in Oklahoma City look at the the players he's played with right Chris Paul end of his prime right Uh, Russell Westbrook declining before at a faster rate that James Harden was Dwight Howard on the decline um now you're putting him next to Kevin Durant who when healthy easily the best player on the team uh, possibly the best player in the conference, possibly the best player in the NBA, right? You're also putting him on the floor with Kyrie Irving, who is the point guard of the team, right? The ball is going to be in his hands more often than, than it'll probably be in James Harden, right? So I think there's going to be a natural pecking order that, that comes about uh, just because of the way that this team is going to be set up, right? The, the, the offense has, is going to have to run through Kevin Durant. If they're going to be successful, you've got to get Kevin Durant the ball. You've got to get him to get 30 points a game. Um, and, and from there, it's Kyrie Irving and James Harden figuring out how they're going to pick their spots. That's easier said than done, right? But I think when you've got three guys who are a future Hall of Famers, b at the same point in their primes, um, I, I think it, I think it works out, especially if you follow the Lakers model of building around them, right? After you've got three stars, you just got to plug in role players. Um, I, I think it's more so you get some rebounders, get some shot blockers, get some three-point shooters who can defend, get one guy off the bench who can create um, and, and, and go for it from there. Um, I think those guys at that point, when, you're, when you've are when got an opportunity to put those three guys together, you have to do it. And when you're as adamant as these three guys are, or at least as Kevin Durant and James Harden are of playing with one another, you've got you've to figure it out, yeah. right? Because it looks great on paper, but if you don't figure it out, then all this was for nothing. Yeah, I mean, from Brooklyn's perspective, obviously, you, I think you go for it. And I do agree that there is something that happened. I think it's more what's kind of – I'm maybe making a, a sort of slightly 3D sort of point here that like kind of is beyond Brooklyn. For Harden should – I'm saying that Harden's market should be more robust – considering his status as a star player for other teams. In other words, you know, to what we talked about earlier, he has three years left on his contract. He's 31, still at near the top of his career and one of the best players in the game. That that type of player, just that profile, does not hit the market very much. I mean, I guess Kawhi Leonard did, but there were extenuating circumstances with his injury. You would think that, like, kind of, there should be, like, everybody is in on this trade, right, for that kind of player. But I think that Harden... Because maybe because of the backlash of his style of play, maybe because yeah. of all this, that market doesn't. I'm not sure that market necessarily exists. Like I'm thinking out loud here. Like I don't know what the market is, but like I think the I think the fact Milwaukee went to other ball handlers is a sign that maybe is is one indicator that 
the hard yeah, market I mean, is they, not there. I mean, like, I mean, who else Giannis is there? Harden we're ever going to be able to play together, right? right? That's, but I, that, that part of that is because of Harden. Is my point? Yeah, no, I agree and with I you. and like I wonder, like Philly is obviously there for reasons that make a lot of sense, depending on who else is out there. But I mean, you look around at a lot of these teams. I mean, what is the other team that like kind of is thinking to themselves, "We're going to trade the farm and we're to get James Harden, and we're not, and we're not shit." Right now, you know, like, like I was think, I was thinking about Miami a little bit, like, but I'm not. I mean, like, no. Would Miami? Mm-hmm. Miami's the other team that kind of comes into play, but we haven't heard any Miami buzz. I'm not sure Miami Harden's a Miami profile guy. Maybe he is. Yeah, I was about to say I don't think that's a fit. Right, but that, I think that some of that is Harden specific, and I just think it's interesting. That's why I sort of made that bold prediction about like kind of the value that he eventually goes for will be less than Drew Holiday, and people are going to be like, "Well, how the hell did that happen? He's way better than Drew Holiday." I could see that happening just because Harden is such a such. There's a lot of negative baggage for Harden that may or may not be his fault, that may or may not reflect on his legacy, and you know, it's just going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out from a value perspective. Like I. Because otherwise, like, I mean, if you just look at it straight up, like, Houston should have a robust market. And I just don't – I don't get the sense that they do. Maybe you you do otherwise. Like, I don't think there's, like, this – they're, like, playing no, off, like, 606 teams that are, like, rushing to get him. And I don't think that's just I, I because of the of conveyance is, of hard hair and wine going to Brooklyn. I think there's there's a lot more to yeah. it. I think I think part of it, obviously, is three years, $133 million, age 31. Right, I think that that plays a role in it. You've got to pay him. Um, I think uh, the other part of, that's played a role in it, and, we, and we've already spoken on it. He has historically not been able to mesh with the players that have been put around him. You have to build something around James Harden. You can't necessarily insert James Harden into something. And a lot of teams are probably weighing, well, do we want to bow down to the wishes of James Harden and really just like build something around him? Can we make it work? Um, it's it's not as easy as it's as it seems, right? Because yes, this is a guy who you got to give up the kitchen sink for. But at the same time, the the Rockets have tried, right? It's not like the Rockets have stayed with the same team. It's not like they haven't made any changes over the years, right? They they have recycled. They've they've gotten every guy that he's wanted. They've gotten guys that they thought would help, and nothing has worked. And part of that is the rest of the West, right? The rest of the West is no joke. But at the same time, if James Harden is the player that you say he is, if he is. A, obviously he's a Hall of Famer, but he, he is a guy who's going to command that type of value. He's got to be the one that gets you over the hump. Well, um, and, and, and crucially, he get it done. crucially, he has he's not changing his game. He's right. play, it, it's not necessarily that like they Harden himself can't get over the hump, but Harden playing this Harden ball is not getting over the hump. And so, and that what for all the change in Houston, that has been the one constant. And you know. Giannis playing Giannis ball isn't getting over the top either. Like a lot of players are not playing their friend of ball, but I think the question is whether Harden is capable of playing something slightly evolved from Harden ball. Um, that's remained to be seen. I haven't seen it. I mean, the the one thing we heard right was that All Star Weekend. Stephen Curry says he heard James Harden saying, "You know, Mike D'Antoni plays a certain type of offense. I wish I could play like you guys." Something along those lines. I don't know the exact hilarious. Words, but, yeah, I heard that. I, I, come on. <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, it's just like Kevin Durant wanted to do that until he did it, and then he decided he didn't want to do that. <laughs> right. It's not. I, it's it's tough, man. I, you know, I I respect James Harden's abilities to score the ball, um, but I think we've got to put a premium on on winning, 
right? And, and at a certain point, you're going to either make the sacrifices or you're going to make the plays necessary to win. Um, and James Harden, you know, he's done, he's made plays in spots, but he hasn't done it consistently, right? When you think of the winners in this league, I don't think James Harden is a guy who comes to, like when you're saying you want somebody to take that shot uh, in the last two seconds of a game, is, is James Harden the first person who comes to your mind? No, I'm thinking Damian Lillard, um, RIP, I'm thinking Kobe. Uh, I'm thinking guys who I know, you know, I'm thinking Kyrie, I'm thinking KD, guys who have hit that big shot. Chris Middleton. I'm just kidding. Oh, man. But, but, but you, you, know, get which... you get what I'm saying, right? There, there are certain guys that you want with mm-hmm. the ball in their hands or with the game on the line uh, in a pressure yeah. situation. And if you're going to commit $133 million to a guy who can't hit that shot and a guy who just historically has issues meshing with other teammates – I think it's more the for me it's more the second one than the first one because I mean if he plays a little bit differently in the first forty seven minutes that is more conducive to meshing he may have more energy to hit that shot uh, but it, it, it's sure. I think we're kind of saying the same thing I don't know um, we've beaten this topic to death sorry <laughs> sorry Ben <laughs> oh man. It's okay. Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> no, I, I like uh, I like that this conversation has already gone to like the the flaws of, of what we the negative side of what would happen should this historic uh, uh, you know uh, core of players play together again. I also think there is something uh, to be said for the Nets probably could build a better team, full circle team around Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving if they are, you know, again, practical with the moves they make, but also waiting a little bit. Like, yo, let me ask you this. Would Covington have made more sense on the Nets or on like maybe 25 other teams as a trade target? No. I mean, Portland's a great great fit. Come on, let's settle down now. I'm just saying, Portland's a great great fit. I actually love Covington going there. I think it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, but when, that's an interesting question because when you look at the Nets and their struggles over the last two years, it's been specifically at that four spot. Last year, mm-hmm. Torian Prince doesn't get it done. The year mm-hmm. before that, Jared Dudley, Damari Carroll, and, and Rodion's crew don't get it done. Right, That four <laughs> spot, and now you're talking about putting Kevin Durant back in. Sure, you want him to play that four on offense, but on defense, yeah. coming off of a torn Achilles, I, I don't know. Right, I don't think you want him there. And Robert Covington is a guy who you can throw at that four. Right. And another other names that have been thrown around at that, at that position. You're looking at Serge Ibaka. Um, mm-hmm. if, if the Rockets do trade James Harden, can they get P.J. Tucker, too, in that deal? And so P.J. Tucker at the four. Um, I don't know. But I mean, Covington, if the if the Rockets go ahead and trade James Harden to Philly or, or trade him or, or pull off some other deal that doesn't include the Nets, Covington would have made a lot of sense, at least in my opinion, uh, in Brooklyn, especially when you look at the guys that they want at that type of spot. Um yep. But he's gone now, right? Yep, and yep, that's yep. why it was just—it was so interesting to me that they did that move first, as opposed to yeah. holding out last and then trying to get some more picks. But I guess they wanted to get some more draft. They, maybe they just wanted that pick number sixteen. I mean, Covington so. get like they get like repeatedly filleted and targeted by Chris Paul mm. in the playoffs. Like, let's settle down a little bit on Ooh. some of this stuff. Um, yeah, Mike. I mean, look, I I, I love the going all the way down the line conversations about like how this will work and how it won't work. But I think like at the top of this conversation just has to be number one, the implosion of the Rockets, a team that two years ago was or three years ago was on the cusp of knocking off golden state, uh, you know, prior to a Chris Paul hamstring injury now. And then the, and then the Westbrook deal happens. And now all of a sudden they are, quite literally the the singular team in turmoil in the NBA um, of all the, and there's some shitty franchises in this league. I mean, there's some really, 
bad teams. It's about to be. It's about to be a dark I decade for the Rockets. <laughs> I think so, man. Like, I'm really sorry. Like, this is Daryl. Daryl got out at the right time. This ship. Totally this man. is like the ship is really sinking, yeah. and it's about to get. Man, I I'm sorry. This is like uh, you know sometimes. If you have a bad owner, it's tough, man. So, so Mike, let's uh, let's change. Bad cheap over. <laughs> let's uh, let's take a, a let's take a quick break. Uh, good time now since Christian's out on the backside of this. Uh, we'll hear from our sponsors now. And then I also want to uh, uh, ask you your opinion of the kind of more about the Drew trade, uh, Drew Holiday going to the Bucks. What that means for the Bucks? Because I think we have a little bit of a different of a difference of opinion when it comes to the overall value that was just gained uh, by the Bucks. So, word from our sponsor, and we'll be back in a minute. Work productivity in this economy? Yep, 2020 has already reshaped how we work. Thankfully, it's almost over, although the worst may be yet to come. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so it can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. By the way, hello guys, quality candidate here. Anyway, unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job. That makes Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering limited upside listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts. That means more quality candidates will see it fast, including maybe me. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Good news if you're disappointed like me that the NBA season is over. Or at least it's good news for people who, unlike me, love this sport, which appears to be the majority of this country. The wait's finally over. Football is back. For now, at least. But probably for a while. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. There will be a winner for the NFC East, I promise. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, B L U E W I R E. All one word. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. 
All right, we're back with Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Ben Epstein here. Mike Prada is back and joining us now again. We will have Christian Winfield back shortly. He had to hop off and take a call with probably a much larger, more important sports network. We'll say Fox or ESPN, something like that. The, I mean, wait, why wait, not? There, there are larger and more important sports yeah, networks. Well, Limited Upside Podcast is a tiny venture within a, a burgeoning, uh, um, potentially large sports network of Blue Wire. Thanks again, Let's Blue not, Wire, for hosting this podcast. Short. Come on, come yeah. on now. No, we are the yeah. most important outlet. That's right. On the That's planet. why we booked them. We booked them first. But uh, I, I want to get into uh, the other big trade that, that happened so far. Not the hypothetical James Harden trade, but uh, Drew Holiday going to uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks also bringing him uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich which is an interesting trade uh, in its own right, because that's a player who'd been rumored to be moving from the Kings probably for the better part of a year now with his contract coming up. So now he's finally moved. Um, uh, t- tell me two things, Mike. One, how much better uh, did the Bucks just get with now replacing, say, Bledsoe in their starting lineup with Drew Holiday? And then two, what does that core team look like? That is that, that a title contending team, or is that like I'm going to win 60 of the next 72 regular season games and have the same troubles in the playoffs? Did they solve their core issues with these moves? Well, to the point about whether they're a title contending team, if you win 60 of your 72 games, you're a contender. You're a contender. Okay, contender. I mean, like the, the Bucks are a contender um, very clearly, and – the question really is like, can they win against tough opponents in the playoffs? Um, are they better? Yeah, I think they're they're better. I think, you know, I'm like kind of noodling this take for the newsletter a little bit. But mm. one of the things that subtly happened, and I think it probably happened too late considering their off season letting Malcolm Brogdon go, is that they have slowly kind of moved Giannis a little bit more out of the point guard role and a little more into the big man role. They, there's a lot more Middleton Giannis pick and roll last year, but there just aren't weren't that many guys that Giannis could pick and roll, could run pick and roll with on that team. I mean, Middleton is like mm-hmm. a great shooter out of the pick and roll, but not right. a great playmaker. Swapping out Bledsoe for Holiday that that does make a pretty big difference um, because Bledsoe Holiday, as you know, is I think he's kind of been a little miscast in New Orleans as this sort of off ball guy. I think he is best playing in pick and roll he's crafty he doesn't have a great shot he's not the best an amazing finisher but he he makes plays in pick and roll i i have i think they if either way that combination will be much more potent than bledsoe and i i like i think bodanovich is very good at kind of making perimeter shots he had a great shooting season last year not just from long range also from mid-range pulling up you know that offensively if if you believe that their offense, which I do, was their biggest problem ultimately, I, I think their offense is a lot better right now. Yeah, yeah. Is it better enough? I mean, that's sort of where the the discussion comes into play. Like, there are two ways to answer that to ask that question. Like, is are the upgrades meaningful enough? And were the upgrades meaningful enough to justify the cost? To me, those are two separate questions. And I, the second one, I think, is. You know, we just had a whole long discussion about value and James Harden. Well, we can talk about the second one afterwards because I think that that answer is complicated. The real question is the first one, and I, I you don't think the answer is yes. Um. Well, so I thought about this more in a in a vacuum. The amount of assets that just removed for Drew Holiday sounds outrageous. Not because Drew is you know a fringe All Star who plays one of the the more deep positions in the league. 
because that's all true. Like he, he has, I think he was an all-star what one time in Philadelphia. That's, you know, and again, that's not the best measure of a man. His real plus minus is high. He, he is a very good on-ball defender, a very good help defender. By all accounts, a great guy. The person, uh, you know, will fit and mesh well with a new set of players, a new team. He's been through quite a lot of upheaval uh, in, in New Orleans and has kept his head above the water there. Um, and to your point, he is a good pick and roll uh, point because he's really good at keeping his dribble. He's really good at using his body. Uh, he's, he's kind of a longer, bigger guard who uh, kind of just needs that one step of explosion to the rim to lay it in once he's got a guy on his back. Uh, crafty around the basket. I've always liked Drew. I, I think on this podcast, you could go back for five years and hear me you know, boasting about how much I've always liked Drew Holiday. I, I don't know how much better he makes them compared to Bledsoe because the biggest flaw for Drew is he's not a great shooter. Uh, he's an, oh, he's a good shooter. He's a much better shooter than Bledsoe too. And he's also a much better decision maker than Bledsoe. So he will not shoot himself out of situations where he, he quite honestly shouldn't be taking the shot. Uh, he will make the better decision to not shoot it um, or get a better shot. Um, but I don't know if he makes him that much better. And I think George Hill gave the, Bucks a lot of value last year. They might miss him in a weird way. George Hill's a very good three-point shooter. The spacing he provided last year, mind you, they got spacing from guys like Corver and uh, even guys like Eliasova, who are all now, you know, hopefully, or Eliasova's traded and Corver won't be, uh, I might be on the team. I don't know if Corver's, what, a free agent, I'm assuming, again? They have like six players under contract now. Okay, right. So they're going to fill out their bench with guys like Corver uh, come Friday or whenever free agency starts. And so I, I guess it's like, if you told me that they were getting some substantial value add to their team for that amount of assets, great. But the the longer tale of this is that if Drew and Bogdan are the reasons why Giannis signs a supermax, then you're justifying this in a whole different set of value. You're you're adding the addition of keeping the, you know, the best player in the NBA f- through the foreseeable part of his prime and getting him to sign a deal that you know right now there's still some ambiguity on um i I guess i love drew as a player i don't know if i love him as the point guard for the bucks and i'm curious to see two things i i love to hear more about maybe as this plays out what the market was elsewhere uh for drew holiday you know we have danny ainge always floats around how much he wanted a player before not trading for him um i'm always curious to know like what what did they have to did they have to go to the four draft picks i think it's two swaps two first rounders through 2028 2027 they 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 pushed him out I don't remember exactly well, they, what the, the draft and, and they have to. But the other part of that is they're assuming that they're that all assumes they're going to have Giannis because if they don't, then those draft picks could be really, really good picks so, they're providing too. So I, I think we talk about these sorts of things in a lot of absolutes as if this goes back a little bit to the Harden discussion. It's just not a, it's not a, it, it it's not a clear market. Like it's not an open market where everybody has the same set of information or the same factors. Um, as far as what was the value for Drew Holly, it's tough to say. But like very clearly, the Bucks have a certain level of desperation that you know the Pelicans exploited very much, understandably, very much like the Thunder have exploited with many of their trades, uh, very much like the Celtics did with the Nets and getting Garnett and Pierce and all that. There's no question about that. There, the question of whether like does this secure Giannis's signature, 
and Supermax and how you weigh that. I think it's just tough to say because, one, he hasn't signed it yet. Two, you don't know necessarily if, like, he signs it because of these moves. Like, what level of factor were they if he signs it? Like, would he have signed it without these moves? And what are the chances of that versus these moves versus if you get different moves versus whatever? Um, And then you also add on the fact that all these sorts of things compound each other, every move you make. And this is, I think, one of the underrated stories of, like, the Bucks team building is that they basically Mm -hmm. started, if you think about the Giannis era starting, like, soon after you drafted, they really fucked up for, like, three years. They made some really bad moves. And sure. they started from way behind it. Everything they've done since bringing Mike Budenholzer in and all the moves they made to build themselves into this point, they've been playing catch-up. And so in those contexts, they've had to sacrifice a lot of assets to play catch-up. And so they put themselves in a position where they almost have to trade. They almost need Drew Holiday more than other teams do. And then there's the factor of it. And Henry Abbott on Troop had this put it really well. The final piece tends to cost the most. He made a Star Wars analogy, mm-hmm. which I love, mm-hmm. and I made fun of him for it on Twitter. <laughs> I think he thought I was being serious. I thought it was great. Um, to the hyperdrive in episode one of Phantom Menace. Do you watch Star Wars? No, I, I right, watch uh, Mandalorian, and I've seen the original three, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mandalorian's a great show. We can talk all about it if you want. Um, but basically the point is that the last piece – is the one that you're going to have to pay a premium for. Like you can't, and the bucks were in a last piece situation, you know, for various reasons. And so, yeah, in that con, then really then the question for the bucks in terms of value is less like, did they overpay for drew holiday in terms of assets? I think it's more, would you rather do that versus go for Chris Paul Maybe throw your hat and ring for Harden. They're in a position where they are going to trade all of that. And there are mm-hmm. only a limited number of people out there. And I think in theory this move makes a lot of sense because it gives them two more players for Giannis to run pick and roll with without making it so that Giannis is only a roll guy. Like they're they're there's like yeah. those guys slot in really well. And I think Holiday is a big upgrade on Blood. So I do think Holiday has become maybe a little overrated over the last couple of years. I've been on him for years, but he's still a lot better than Eric Bledsoe. Is he? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the question then is like, would you rather do that, or would you should should they have gotten Chris Paul? Should they have? Yeah. Got that. I think is a more interesting question. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I mean, we'd be remiss to not probably spend a few minutes on on the Suns, the first move of the offseason here, the, uh, if we're not counting uh, Dennis Schroeder's uh, move before the uh, before the, uh, the free agency, or I should say trade deadline even started here, or trade period. But, um, which by the way, love the Schroeder move to uh, to the Lakers too. I've, I find him to be a, a criminally underrated player because stylistically, some people in the analytics world don't like I'm not the Dennis biggest Schroeder. Fan. I'm not yeah, the biggest no, fan, no, I get but- it. But he'll be he'll be the perfect player for LeBron to rein in and maximize the talent of. I mean, if Ron, I'm like if, if Rondo's leaving, it makes sure. sense. But anyhow, so the Chris Paul move is I love Chris Paul going to to the Suns. I, I'm a huge fan of seeing whatever the Booker and, and CP3 backcourt will look like. And Bridges is awesome. And I think Aiton's going to get like leap years of education from playing with Chris Paul, even if it's only for a couple of years here. Um, but yeah, I mean, look. Oh, hey, Christian's back. Christian, you there? 
And I relocated. What up? Oh, no, I know you in a new room. Very nice. Wow, nice paintings on the back of your wall. We were just just talking a little bit about uh the bucks on to the to the bucks, ma'am, to 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 everything that that the bucks have been doing. And and Mike just brought up and Christian, love to get your opinion here. You know, if if the if the chips are all in the middle, uh, as it appears that the final piece is what the Bucks are looking for here in, in the trades, the two trades that they've made now, yeah. then why didn't or why or maybe they did? What's your opinion on if they should have just tried to bring Chris Paul in as opposed to a Drew Holiday? Um, because maybe it seems like similar values well, were fetched there. The to Suns be clear, did pay Drew yeah. and Bogdanovich. Like Bogdanovich yeah, Drew, is yeah, good. Yeah, Bog- He's yes. a big time piece. Correct. Yeah. Bogdanovich being uh, the, the second piece they would make after they had their point guard trade. Uh, you know, where, where do you head fall? I, my head falls in that they should have extended Brogdon and traded Bledsoe when they had a chance. Yes, I think right? I think we all not, agree on that. Yeah, I mean, that, totally. that's, that's a they can't do that now. So then. yeah, obviously they can't do that now. My head also falls on what I saw in Chicago um, during All Star Weekend, and that's that Kemba Walker and and Giannis created a bond over there. Uh, I'm not sure if those are two guys that had a relationship beforehand, but when you look at the all-star game, uh, the all-star speaks at the podium, uh, it's Giannis and Kemba up there, right? These guys that are there having fun with each other. Um, I thought in some crazy galaxy brain idea that these guys would find a way to play with each other, whether that's Giannis forcing his way to Boston or Kemba forcing his way out of Boston if things don't go that way. Um, but again, that's another idea because these two guys have to compete and figure out if they can win it on their own elsewhere. Um, getting back to you guys' point in terms of getting Chris Paul, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I think Drew, uh, more so he's younger. I think you have any chance to, you have a chance to extend him uh, versus not having a chance to extend CP. He's, he's old. He's at the end of his, well, how many years does he have left on his deal now? Uh, either way. I think two, um, at least two at like yeah, I don't massive think money. I don't think you extend Chris Paul after that. You do extend Drew Holiday after this year. Uh, so if you're trying to look for reasons to keep Giannis around long-term, you got to give him long-term options, not two-year options, right? So I, I do like the, the the Drew Holiday move. I like getting Bogdan Bogdanovich because I think you can extend him. And on top of that, now you've got three trade chips. You've got Chris Middleton, you've got Drew Holiday, and you've got Bogdan after you extend all of them. You can turn that into whatever you want next summer if this doesn't work out, especially if Giannis extends. So I think they still have the flexibility there. Um, and I want to see how it works. I think these five guys on the floor together can get it done. I don't know about you guys. I like their team. I think it's a very well-fitting team. I think they're – I mean, really, like, it, in, as far as, like, how much better they get, I mean – the question of whether they're better enough, I think, is like a really tough one to answer because so much the playoffs, the margins are so thin, yeah. and when you get to the point where like only one outcome is a success, like it's just hard to kind of go back and then say, well, it's because we didn't get enough in this trade. I think they give themselves a better chance because their to me their biggest weakness was not shooting but playmaking. Yeah, for sure, and they have a lot more playmaking now, um, even if. It, I think they're marginally better. I mean, for sure. And if marginally better is enough, it might be. I mean, I I think there's a world where it could be. Um, they have to fill out their bench. And I just think the question of did they trade too much value is sort of, I mean, it's kind of context dependent. And I don't think we do a very good job of analyzing that right now. I just think I, this is goes back to the Harden thing. Like, just you can't. Every situation is very different. This is not an open market. It's not. There, there's so many factors that go into it. Um, 
So it's possible. I think it's we have to open ourselves up to the possibility that both of those teams need to make to trade that much to get that player at that time. And I think it's fine to admit that. Like, yeah, I, I think that number one, I think we can all agree that Drew Holiday is one of the more grossly underrated players at his position for sure. Um, has been for a while now, just in terms of what he's able to do on defense. We know that what he's able to do with the ball, he can still shoot the three. Um, and like you said, you know, I think that upgrade at the point guard position from what you were getting from Eric Bledsoe, um, I think that's huge, right? Because now, and then you throw, you throw Bog down in the mix and now you've got two guys that the defense can't help off of, right? And you've got two guys that get their attention um, and that really just require effort on the defensive end. And sometimes that's what it boils down to, especially when you're game planning for Giannis, right? These teams are building walls. These teams are, are trying. We saw what happened with Miami. Um, Miami basically said, okay, well, anybody but Giannis, try and get it. And the, the Heat just, well, the Heat, the, the, the Bucks couldn't make it happen. Now you've got Drew. Now you've got Bogdan. I think those two guys open the floor for Middleton even more. You're still spacing the floor up because you've got Brooke Lopez at the five. Um, and Brooke Lopez is a rim protector. I think he, that's one of the things where he doesn't get enough credit for. Yes, he's shooting threes and putting out cigarettes or whatever he's doing after he hits them, but he's also blocking these shots. Um, so Are those cigarettes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, we, we'll we'll call it whatever whatever it is that he's putting out. Uh, but but not he's smoking I, I, a pipe. That's what he's doing. Yeah, he's smoking a pipe or old, old, old fashioned pipe. Whatever is, whatever's in that pipe. But uh, but you know, I, I'm high on the Bucks uh, based on what they did. I still don't think they're done. You know, I think they're going to try to add one or two guys to the veterans minimum, even though they lost Wesley Matthews, or they're supposed to lose Wesley Matthews. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I'm high on them. If if the Nets don't get James Harden, um, I think the Bucks can go all the way. Uh, because when you're looking at that roster, I think I think LeBron is looking there. Like, and it's just funny to me that those moves happen after the Lakers go get Dennis Schroeder, right? Because if the Lakers would have known that the Bucks were going to reload and that the, the Nets were going to go get James Harden, do you think they maybe try to make a bigger splash than going to get Schroeder? I, I don't but know I, if they can. <laughs> yeah, with one. yeah. I also think they're going to have to worry about, you know, whatever they decide to do with Contavious Caldwell-Pope now, too, is going to fetch yeah. a little bit higher premium. And they need him. He's an important player, especially with Danny Green being gone. They could be very thin defensively. I mean, Schroeder, not known for his uh, <laughs> defensive accolades. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. That you, well, one thing for sure is the more teams that are going to be competitive for filling in the back end of their roster with veterans – the more difficult it is to get the veterans you want. And that's the spot that LeBron has always feasted, filling out the back end of his rosters, mm-hmm. whichever team he's on with the right players that want to be around LeBron and want to be a part of whatever he's building. And now with the Bucks being in that situation, the Nets could very well be in that situation. Sixers have a number of positions they need to fill with very little money. Um, and depending on the moves they make, but there's a, there's a few teams now that are going to be vying for those very similar players. So do I think Schroeder is the, the, the key ingredient? I mean, we'll see how much Rondo ends up getting paid and wherever he may go. Uh, I do like that move for them though. And I also think that, and this is kind of what's so interesting about uh, with the Bucks. The Bucks were the favorites when now or last year for sure. I think at one point they were the NBA favorites midway through the season, but in Vegas's standards uh, to, to win odds on to win the title, they were once going into the playoffs last year again odds on favorite to win the to to win the title, not just represent the East. So it's not like they have odds been. on. They were odds on. Yeah. Odds on last year because it's harder to get out. last year getting out of the West hurt the odds of the Lakers and Clippers because each of them had to kind of separate oh, okay. their odds. Yeah, I right? guess that's true. Bucks were heavy favorites, man, um, to come out of the East. And then immediately people learned a little bit more about what the Heat were about, saw the Celtics and, and Raptors brought to the table. I think it, it leveled out. But I, I look at this Bucks team and think, well, they're probably going to be the one seed again. The four seed is going to be really, really good in the East. Uh, so that second round is going to be a, another devastating matchup. And it's like, are they better now to win that matchup against either the Raptors, Heat, 
Sixers, Celtics, Nets, like the, the, the teams, whatever that four seed is, is not going to be an easy out. And they're going to be immediately tested again. And then you're going to get to see what the mental makeup is because physically speaking, they should be better. There was not going to be Bledsoe taking seven threes <laughs> while the team is telling, you know, while the opposing defense is like, shoot the threes and he's doing it right. Like you're going to have more cohesive, understand a smarter basketball team um, coming at you. But look, look, Bogdan hasn't played a playoff game in his career. I don't think he's ever even sniffed the 12 seed or eight seed, whatever he is with Sacramento. Drew Holiday played in uh, one playoff series. Is that correct? One? Well, he had that was the one where they swept the, the Trailblazers. Yeah, he was, and then and then the Sixers too. I think he played in uh, with one there, right? And he so was, he was amazing in that Portland series. I, I think one yeah, thing that we're forgetting with Bogdan is that he was like all decade of wherever yeah. he came from in terms of yeah, he's a winner over there. It's not like this guy. I, I think that the the Kings did him more of a disservice than he did the Kings. Agreed. I, agreed. Yeah, that's a fair assertion. So. You know, I think it's it's going to be a revelation for him to go somewhere where winning is not only the standard, it's expected, and you kind of, like, he's mm-hmm. pressure on him now. I think mean, he, he strikes me as the type of guy that likes that type of pressure, and so does Drew, and so does Giannis. And yeah, about that. it's the jury is out on Chris Middleton, right? Chris Middleton is that other piece that has to step up. And, ter- especially yeah. and we saw him be that guy uh, in spots in the playoffs, right? He, he went off though in one of those games where Giannis mm-hmm. offer exactly what game it was. So you've got a bunch game of guys. Four. Yeah, they have they have something to prove. Uh, the Bucks in general have something to prove. They're not just a second round out. Um, mm-hmm. And then you've got a guy like Bogdan who's got to prove, hey, you know, I'm better than what I showed I was in the, with the Kings because they were holding me back. I think it's a perfect storm of, of yeah. players and events that led them to get here. And I can't wait for them to win 70 games. I buy that. So seven, 70 of 72, two losses. <laughs> 70 of <laughs> 72. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I was jacking that the floor for them was 60 wins, but that was, you know, that was 82 games. Yeah. I mean, the real, the real question. <laughs> Thank God I didn't break that. <laughs> the, the real question, I mean, the, the real challenge with Milwaukee is like there's a very, you saw it in the playoff series they played. There's a very like, we're just rolling the die a bunch of times and we're going to, we just got unlu- unlucky. We missed some shots. We play our way. We don't really adjust to a different sort of postseason. And like eventually, yeah, and, and and they're just and you just at one point like they don't have to do anything major, and it will it will the die will roll up the right way for them. I mean that's how Coach Bud coached that entire series, and that was I think that it happened once. Okay, that it happened a second time. I think that's a big of a neon flashing red light. And that's why I think they were more aggressive. Again, the, the real question is they have lost the same way in both of these playoff series in rough strokes. I think there have been differences. Um, obviously, having not having Brogdon this year, I think didn't really hurt them until they played the Heat. And then yeah. it suddenly it was like, man, they merely missed that guy. Uh, I think Middleton was on an incredible run until before the season shut down and he wasn't quite the same in the bubble. You know, it took them a long time to make any sort of reasonable adjustments. You also have to, of course, throw in the fact that, you know, they were the ones that initiated that protest. And who knows, you know, it was not a normal playoff series um, and run. So it's possible that Milwaukee could just run it back and won again. It's possible that they would have just been fatally flawed. I guess the real question ultimately is if you stick Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich into a series that they lost and change all the other particulars. Like, are they getting over the top or is, do they just still not have enough star power? 
I don't know the answer to that question. I think they're they're better than they are. I think they have addressed a weakness. Um, but the problem with the game, the sport, is that only one team wins, and sometimes yeah. you're just not quite good enough, and there's not much you can do to be to get all the way better. Um, and well, it's just matchups, right? Like if the if the Bucks don't meet the Heat in in the playoffs last year, uh, they they might go to the finals, right? It, right. It all if they get the, if they get the Celtics or if they get anybody else. You know, they, this might be a completely different story. Eric Bledsoe might still be yeah. on this team. They might not make these trades. So, you know, yes, and, and I, that's why I do think that, yes, you know, being proactive and going to get these guys that make you better is one thing, but the NBA is unpredictable. You know, like if you would have told me last year that that the Nuggets were going to the Western Conference Finals and that they would have got the Clippers out of here and that they would have got everybody, they would have got the, the Jazz out of here. And if you would have told me that OKC would have took the Rockets to seven games and almost beat them, I, I would have laughed at you. Right? If, but, if you would have told me that we'd have a global pandemic that would shut down right. the sport for four months and then we'd have yeah. to play in a bubble. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah. all of it is so weird. But um, well, And also so much of this just speaks to the, the NBA and Draymond said it the best, right? But the 82 game player versus 16 game player, like the playoffs are different. Everything about it. If you want to go to the root of the one through line of this entire podcast is James Harden. Might be the best 82-game player we've seen in many, many, many years and doesn't qualify into that upper echelon of 16-game players. And at the same time, you know, that's the Bucks as a team. Then there's just the relationship to some teams catching, you know, like the, the, the bubble dynamic for sure galvanized certain teams and hurt others. There's just no way around it. You could see it. You could read it on the body language. You could read it on the people who uh, are on players and teams that were focusing rightfully. So a lot of their mental acuity on what was going on outside the bubble. I couldn't even imagine being at the, at the forefront of a conversation when you are literally in a bubble that you cannot go out and be a part of. Also one um, that so Bucks I think, initiated to be very uh, cor- to be Correct. Specific. Bucks did initiate. Yes, absolutely. And so like, I just think there's so much that either we can push to the side and not learn from, from last year because it sets itself up as a, as a one-off or, you know, or we can say to ourselves, well, the, the issues weren't going to go anywhere. And Bledsoe wasn't going to ultimately become some kind of like heads up point guard, the kind that that they needed, who was also a 40 percent three point shooter. So, yeah, I mean, I think like that's one thing. But then there's teams literally like the Suns momentum that they took from the bubble is what propelled them to make a Chris Paul trade. If they don't go eight and oh there and find themselves really, you know, knocking on that. Well, shit, we can not just be a playoff team, but we can be a disruptor in the next season. They probably don't become that front runner to move a guy like Ubre uh, and Rubio. And even though Ubre's contract is what it is, they were building something. They just fast tracked themselves. Um, right. So uh, I, I definitely think too. this like big time. Old. But that that's the thing. Yeah. Human factors decide these totally trades man. in ways that I think we don't. I don't mean to like defer and throw up the throw out the analysis yeah. here, but just like there are too many human factors involved, and you know, I, I just if you're the Bucks and you're just trying to get a little bit better, I just think you have to do that. And yeah. if it works or if it doesn't, it, I think it's very easy to say like they they will rise or fall on the difference between Drew Holiday and Eric Bledsoe, yeah. but they. Is there to the point about eighty-two versus sixteen game players? The thing that they can never solve for, if this is indeed the case, is is Giannis just a too much of an eighty-two game player? You know, there's not much they can do about that. Um, 
And maybe mm-hmm. the answer is yes, maybe the answer is no. But like for all this other stuff that you do around the margins, like that's kind of what it ultimately comes down to. Yep. Um, yep. The question is, the really, way, do the buck are the Bucks an A two game team because of their star, because of the supporting cast? And sure. if, it's just only one team wins, man. Only one team wins. That's the thing. Did, did you guys see the uh, the Onion article oh. that they published on James Harden? I did not. The headline is "Underachieving 31 Year Old Now Talking About Following Dreams to Brooklyn." <laughs> uh, sorry, I thought that was super funny. As uh, as an underachieving 34 uh, year old who just left Brooklyn, I uh, I, can, oh, I, can, I, I believe it's home. Where are you now? I'm a, I'm in L.A., man. What? Yeah, yeah. I moved out here just before uh, I got here in September, late September. So Wait, you know, basically, you why, why are you up there? I'm living life. I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself back in Los Angeles as one would, uh, you know, 10 years after I left here, 10 oh, years in Brooklyn. In the middle of a pandemic, you just, you just got up and mm-hmm. relocated and just said, you know what, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. you know what, we, we should all strive to be like you. I'm looking up, uh, I think Tim, our friend Tim Cato had a tweet along the lines of that oh, an article. I'm trying to find it. <laughs> yep, just another young Texan working as a professional creative looking to move to New York City. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Guys, I got to bounce. I got a real-world work call. I got to hop mm-hmm. on here. But with that being said, Christian, it's always great to talk to you, man. I, we'll need, we need to do this more often, not yes, just in pods. Yes, Miss you, man. We got to do a virtual happy hour at some point. I'm, I'm down. Uh, I would love that. I would all love X, that. All XSB Nation should hop on for me. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be right. a lot, it'd be a lot of Zoom squares. All right, boys. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> yeah, so this has been this week. We're we're probably going to put another podcast out after the draft uh, here at Limited Upside. We'll see. We've got a potential special guest lined up that we're really excited about. And until then, though, I mean, I'm sure there will be a lot of fireworks that happen. But um, Christian, tell them where they can find you. Um, you can find me at the New York Daily News. Um, if you're on Twitter, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Splash. That's with a K. Um, you can find me at times also on Finish Line. Uh, yes, it's a sneaker website, but they have me doing some freelance writing there too. So if you're into sneakers and culture and stuff, you can find me there. Um, yeah, that that you know Instagram, same thing, Chris Splash. Um, yeah, that's where that, I think that covers all the bases. You're not on Parlor yet. No, 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 oh, man. All right. Anyway, this is, well, until next time, friends, this has been the Limited Upside Podcast.